Today's podcast is brought to you by Echo. Echo Works is an intuitive point-of-care ultrasound workflow designed to eliminate chaos so you can spend time doing what you love at work and at home. Echo Works is cloud-based, so you can access it on your phone, tablet, or computer. It's designed to work with any ultrasound device so you can review images, document your notes, apply billing codes, send feedback to learners, and archive your studies. Find out more at echo.inc slash echo works. That's E-X-O dot I-N-C slash E-X-O dash works. Ultrasound Gel Podcast. Ultrasound Gel Podcast. Hi, and welcome to the Ultrasound Gel Junior Podcast. This is Delia Gold. I'm very excited to be here with Leanne McLean and Russ Horowitz, my fellow podcasters. And we are here to talk about a very interesting topic in pediatric point-of-care ultrasound, the IVC. Man. I'm very excited. Let's get going. We are discussing a paper that was published in Pease Emergency Care in January of 2022 entitled Inner Observer Agreement of Inferior Vena Cava Ultrasound Collapse Duration and Correlated Outcomes in Children with Dehydration. Leanne, can you give us some background? Absolutely. So, I mean, the IVC is a really controversial topic and it's controversial for a couple of reasons. We really crave ways to assess dehydration because it's a very common presenting complaint in the PA emergency department. And there's this tension in clinical management, whether or not we should offer oral rehydration or we need to do IV fluids. There's been a few different ways to calculate sort of IVC assessment, specifically the aorta to IVC ratio in the short axis, or looking at sort of greater than or less than 50% collapsibility in the long axis or the short axis. So when we think about sort of the historical studies, there really hasn't been a lot in pediatric emergency medicine for those on sort of the mild to moderate dehydration scale that has come out with IVCs demonstrating that there's value in doing point of care ultrasound for these patients, as opposed to our severe resuscitation patients where we're doing sort of a modified rush exam, using that as part of our clinical decision making in that kind of acute resuscitation scenario. What they tried to devise an accurate and objective measure of clinical dehydration using the IVC and looking at healthy children who are coming in with an acute dehydration episode. So their question really was, does IVC collapse on ultrasound as a function of time, which they have now sort of coined the term IVC collapse duration, have an acceptable inter-review reliability in kids with suspected dehydration? And does the collapse duration correlate with their clinical outcomes of oral versus IV hydration? So the primary outcome in the study was to determine the inter-observer agreement for the IVC ultrasound collapse duration, and then correlate that with the outcome of the rehydration modality. This study was done at a single pediatric institution that sees about 35,000 children a year, and they included kids up to 21 years of age who had vomiting and or a history of diarrhea where dehydration was suspected. They excluded children who were unstable and were requiring active resuscitation. This was a prospective observational study using a convenient sample of patients, and they were enrolled in the emergency department. In addition, one thing which I think was very nicely done was they followed the patients up for a week after their initial visit to see about returns. What they did was a single provider used a phase array probe to look at the IVC in long view. And this is important because some other studies had looked at it in transverse view, but this is sort of the traditional view that we use. And they recorded a clip. They had two blinded reviewers, a novice and experienced, independently reviewed the videos. And this is the really unique thing that they did is they didn't talk about the percent collapse. What they talked about how much 
the walls of the IVC were in contact. So they broke that into three categories. The brief category is that the opposing walls of the IVC were in contact for significantly less than 50% of the time of the video clip, which which was six seconds. And intermediate, where the walls were in contact for about 50%. And then extended category included those where the walls of the IVC are in contact for significantly greater than 50% of the time. So let's get to the results. So for this study, 112 patients were enrolled and 102 of those had complete data for analysis. Notably, 10 patients had to get kicked out because they had inadequately visualized IVCs for various reasons. And I think we can all agree that there's just some kids you can't see it. There's gas, there's pain. And sometimes with the smaller kids, like the operators won't capture the caliber of the IVC and they'll slide off. So they were very honest about that and took those 10 out of their results. The mean age was 7.2 years with 51% female, which is a little bit on the older side. 29 patients ended up receiving IV fluids. 20 were offered IV fluids just based on their initial clinical appearance and nine received IV fluids after failing their oral trial. Of all their patients, five ended up being admitted. Two carried the diagnosis of viral gastroenteritis or diarrhea and three had other diagnoses and these were IBD flare, cyclic vomiting syndrome and migraine. But of note, all five of these admitted patients had IVC collapse on ultrasound. So at some point in the clip, both sides of the IVC completely touched. When looking at the inner observer agreement of collapse and collapse duration, the operators versus the blinded reviewers, there was only moderate agreement regarding whether the IVC was collapsed at a kappa of 0.57. About 50% of the patients were scanned by the two most experienced operators. And between the experienced operators and the blinded reviewers, there was a substantial agreement of IVC collapse with an improved kappa of 0.84. Between the two blinded reviewers, there was excellent agreement on IVC collapse, kappa of 0.93. And in determining the duration of the IVC collapse, which is, as they classified, brief, intermediate, or extended, there was a substantial agreement. In each of the case of disagreement, the reviewers were only one category apart. So the kappa for that was 0.66. And really, when they deviated, it was only brief to intermediate, intermediate to extensive. Nothing that was too wide apart. So for the outcome of correlation of IVC collapse and need for IV rehydration, the patients with IVC collapse were significantly more likely to receive IV hydration. Odds ratio of 5.82 and a p-value that was considered adequate for the study. And it's really important, I think, to note that almost all patients that didn't have IVC collapse, so those ones, they all tolerated PO hydration and were able to be discharged from the ED without a revisit within the following week. The only exceptions to that were a patient who had the diagnosis of an IBD flare and started on fluids, but that was per the protocol of the site. And a second patient that they were concerned could have appendicitis. So they were made NPO and then of course, subsequently given fluids for their NPO status. For the five patients that required inpatient admission, all had IVC collapse, one brief, three intermediate and one extended and all received IV fluids as we discussed. When stratified by the semi-quantitative measure of duration of IVC collapse over time, the percentage of patients that received IV fluids was significantly correlated with the duration of IVC collapse. Pretty interesting finding for this novel study. What do you guys think are some strengths? Well, I like the fact that it was prospective. That's really exciting to me. I really think that the idea of this novel measure brings it home to us. I'm going to steal a little bit of what Leanne 
Dan said, and that is as an ER doc, I like not to do math. So anything that I can assess really quickly that gives me valuable information is exciting to me because having to sit and calculate something or drop an MO line and make sure it's really nice and clear takes forever. And it's not really going to be the kind of thing that I'm going to deploy. I think that this is a really straightforward technique to assess IVC. And I think it addresses a big knowledge gap as to how we can use IVC rapidly to assess these kids with dehydration, maybe even predict like what's going to happen to them. I don't know, Russ. I'm not sure I'd call that a seal. I think I'd call that an homage. I don't. <laughs> it's an homage. I love to homage to Leanne. Leanne, what do you think? Is this going to change anything? What, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think that what's interesting about the study is that it is something that I think we're all sort of, you know, really, we're really craving more, more decision making tools when we have that high pretest probability of failure of oral rehydration, or we think this family, you know, not for like the very clearly mildly dehydrated, the very clearly severely dehydrated, but that entire middle section. I think the challenge with studies like this is that there are some significant limitations, which really, I guess, to me, encourage future studies to design in a little more of an innovative way. And so what I would say is, you know, we recognize it's a prospective study, but it is single site. It is a convenient sample with a small amount of operators. Something that we've talked about when we were discussing the study initially was also that the clinicians were often performing the scans, which may bias specifically who got IV fluid and who didn't. I think as well, the low interrater reliability between the blinded reviewers sort of talks to a variety of challenges when we talk about these really attractive qualitative metrics is how do we get everyone on the same page of what exactly this collapse duration means and how we sort of define that, right? So while I don't like doing math, I think the challenge in doing this sort of qualitative assessment is you've got people who are variably good at assessing what time frames look like. What does extended look like? What does intermediate look like? What does brief look like within their own assessment of the IVC? In my view, kind of moving forward from this, which I think is such a great study to lay a bit of a foundation of this technique would be, you know, do you sort of assess it in a blinded way in this pretest probability space where you kind of put in your your statement, I think I'm going to do oral fluids, IV fluids, or this group that fails oral, look at this in a larger cohort. And I probably would exclude the surgical abdomens. I think if you have a concern about a surgical abdomen, you're going to make the patient NPO, you're going to put them on IV fluids, I'd probably take them out of the study so that they're not complicating the decision for IV rehydration specifically for hydration status as opposed to something we've done, which has made them NPO. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. I think perhaps they had small numbers or just the way they designed it. They didn't put it in that way. But I think anything that's novel, you can definitely imagine the next stage of the research question. And I would love to see more because I know that I was kind of informally doing a version of this because I don't like math either. The things that I thought were interesting is that when I was picturing this, I actually found the most useful point was that all of the kids who didn't have collapse went home and were fine. And so I could envision myself with like that kind of, you know, squirrely mom, real tense, but this kid is like slobbering literally on me. Sometimes we need something like that's objective in people's minds, like an ultrasound to pull it up and show them and describe the large veins of the body and and kind of do a little bit of education, which as pediatricians, we love to do. And you can not only use it to convince them that it's probably okay to try the oral route, but it also can convince you as a scientist because you have something to lean back on. I thought that like that's actually what I was going to do probably my next shift tomorrow. The other thing I did love is which you guys kind of brought up, Leanne especially, was that there is a paucity of literature on the mild to moderate dehydration, which honestly is what 
we see the most in the ER. And so the fact that they address that question, they focus on that patient population and they use tidal volume instead of like the sniff test or anything that would really increase pressure in the abdomen. I just thought it was like, it was very simple, but very well thought out for what just kind of makes sense. I don't know if they included patients that had things that changed their positive pressure, like if they had trachs or anything like that, because they don't, they say that medically complex kids were included, but in our discussions earlier, we weren't able to really suss that out. So you can presume either way, maybe for the next study, they can clarify that or have a subgroup, which I think would be a good idea. Summary of this study is this was a prospective study of 102 patients being evaluated for the need for IV rehydration as measured by this novel measurement of IVC collapse duration on ultrasound. Using this novel technique, the authors found that children with increasing duration of IVC collapse correlated positively with the need for IV fluids and non-collapsing IVCs on ultrasound were associated with successful PO rehydration without the need for IV fluids or repeat ED visits. Take home points for this is I think we can say that in this single center prospective observational study, the increasing duration of collapse correlated positively with the need for IV rehydration and the kids who had no collapse at all, meaning neither wall touched in the six second clip, you could probably feel confident, even more confident than you already were to try a PO trial with that child and the chances of them returning would hopefully be less. The inner reliability between the scanners and the reviewers were measured as well in this study where they found that there was moderate agreement between the operators and the blinded reviewers as to whether the IVC collapsed. But this improved with experience as is true with every point of care ultrasound study. I think this is like a good argument for increased education and experience always is going to make you better at a procedure. But I did appreciate that they included all levels of education as when you're using point of care as a tool in your toolbox, it's at the bedside and you don't you don't automatically know who's going to do it. So we need to get everyone to the standard of being good enough at doing it, but we're not all going to be experts and that is okay. Do you guys have any other things you thought were points for this article? I would love to see some of the the next step as you're talking. I was like, wow, if this would be a way that would have some positive predictive value as to what someone's outcome would be, that would provide me a lot of joy because then I could look and say, oh, you're collapsing a ton. That kid's probably going to get admitted and then start to make more advanced decisions on preparation for stay or things like that. That would be the ultimate goal. But maybe sort of the takeaway point would be something like if this new novel technique had the ability to positively predict dispositions for patients or interventions, then that would be fantastic. That's one of the next steps as to how we could yeah. apply this for our patient's comfort. Like a variation on the bronchiolitis score, like beelines yeah. on bronchiolitis. If the more beelines, the more you're going to stay. All right. Well, I had a great time with you guys recording this podcast. Russ, Leanne, it's always great to be with you. Thanks you guys for listening and thank you to the authors for this wonderful study. You can check this out and more at our website ultrasoundgel.org and we'll see you guys soon. Happy scanning. More. Pressure. More. Gel. More. Pressure. More. Gel. More. Three peas in a pod. No math for us.